0: All right. Let's uh, let us read. I think we can get through a passage this morning. Finish. Finish. uh, It's only one or two verses, but let's read. um, Let's read a few of them. Ephesians chapter one, breaking in the end of verse thirteen. No. No, at the end of verse 12. Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Let's pray. Father, we bow in thy sight. We Tremble, Lord, we have reverence, uh, fear of God, knowing Thou art the Almighty. Uh, You have commanded us, as we have been reminded, to love one another. And we uh, say, Amen, Lord. Yes, we committed to do that, to love Thee, Lord, with all our hearts, and to love Thy people likewise. We pray, Father, work in us all to that end, charity out of a pure heart, as the Apostle wrote. Be with us uh, yet, Lord, as we uh, look into the Holy Scriptures, and may they be part of us, Lord, uh, in our hearts, in our souls, thy word, that we may live thereby. Help us in the reading and the considering and the hearing of it together, we might live in Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> we were looking last time at, um, I think we finished up on the seal. In verse uh, 13, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And we, uh, we talked about the... Uh, The difference in the in the words. The seal was where we were last time. You know, we we reviewed the promise that the Holy Spirit was promised. Right? We traced that through the Old Testament, not in enormous detail, but insufficient to get a sense that it was a building thing, and the people were expecting of that uh, climactic. You know, the climax of that, perhaps in John's Gospel. I think chapter seven is it. The Lord was there on the, that great day of the feast, Pentecost, where they, at the water drawing ceremony, they're pouring out the water, and the Lord stood and cried, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. But this he spake of the Spirit, right? And the Holy Spirit was not yet given. This, is, this has been one of the grand uh, themes and the building expectation of the Bible. We traced that through. We're not going to do it again this morning. Although review and repetition is always good for us to have the truth in our memories and in our hearts. Um, the Holy Spirit was promised. And then we began to look at the seal. And we, we said a few things about the Holy Spirit uh, very briefly and that Christ had died for this. But we didn't, um, didn't complete our brief study on the seal uh, and we, let's pick up in that this morning, shall we? Uh, with this, uh, this seal, to be sealed of God. We read some definitions. Um, <clears throat> we looked at the two po- twofold purpose of the seal, right? It was to establish ownership and to verify authenticity. Right? The king's seal and that anyone that saw a document... Uh, with the king's seal, recognize that this is from the king. It had all the authority of the king on it. Even Herod, you know, when he said seal the tomb, um, that was, you know, it's closed and the, um, the uh, verification that it had not been open was put on it. Whether the king had any delegated stamp um, that he gave, I don't know, in that occasion. You know, in the tomb of the Lord Jesus. I think that was Herod. Uh, sealed the tomb. But the documents, we looked at uh, Jezebel uh, sealing uh, command in Ahab's name with his signet. Looked at um, one of the, uh, the heathen kings there, I think, under Esther's time. You know, sealed. Uh, this um, representation of the king's ownership and authority. Uh, we didn't uh i think we just quoted it but we could we could look at um, a passage here let 's see if I can put my eye on it uh, maybe maybe not maybe i just quote it then or as we quoted it last time i thought i had thought i had made um, there it is matthew chapter twenty two We just uh, referred to it last time. Verses 19 to 21. Right, the Lord's being, they're trying to lay another trap for him, asking him, is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar? Uh, Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, why tempt ye me, hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. And he saith unto them, whose is this image? And superscription. They say unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. So on the coins, right, and this is the Lord's way of settling when you pay your taxes and so on. But on the coins, you had the image of Caesar. That's authority and ownership. And a superscription referencing him. That's a seal. You've been sealed. If you're born of God, if you have believed on the Lord Jesus and God has put his seal on you. You want to look at that uh, some more. Uh, His image and his superscription. um, We we read some definitions there. um, Let's uh, let's look at some of them again. A seal, and these are ones, uh, it's helpful for those that are not Thoroughly convinced by our brother's um, teaching on the scriptures, you know, we need to go back to the Greek and so on. You may be comforted that in the classical languages and in English, the meanings are the same. They're identical. Your Bible's got it right. Uh, seal, a signet, right, uh, from which we get signature, a stamp, a mark, a distinctive mark, figure, image, insignia. A stamp with an impression of those things. And it certifies the authenticity of the authorization of the thing sealed and establishes ownership. Uh, You see them in all kinds of official documents. You have the seal, uh, even of Canadian citizenship, you get a seal on the certificate. At least you did when I was a youth and got a citizen. Even um, certificates of... Being a journeyman in the trades, you've got a seal on it. That shows you didn't just cook it up on your computer and print one yourself, right? It's a seal of authenticity. This is the real thing. Now, the Christian, this is why Paul said, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. God which knoweth the hearts of all men. Peter said this about uh, Cornelius. Do you remember? It's in Acts chapter 15. I know this is review from last time, but um, no doubt we have forgotten everything. I don't mean we've forgotten everything. I mean we don't retain everything. So the review is is all right. Uh, Peter's there at the Jerusalem Council. Uh, In chapter 15, verse 7, God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness." giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. And this uh, alludes to the the unity, making both one, that Ephesians will touch on later or or take up in detail. and That has often been a a theme that our brothers brought before us as well. The seal of authenticity. God saw their hearts. They had believed on the Lord Jesus. Abraham got a seal from God. Do you remember? And Paul addresses this in uh, in. Galatians, I think, uh, that Abraham received a seal of the righteousness of the faith that he had. And that's what circumcision was. It was a seal of authenticity. And it was a reminder to them. It was a number of things. Uh, The Holy Spirit is a seal of authenticity. This is a real Christian. This is a real child of God. It's certified, authentic, Um, and that stamp and seal of authenticity is the image of God and the Word of God. Whose image? Whose Whose superscription? The Christian has been marked by God, by the indwelling Holy Spirit, with the image of Christ and the Word of Christ. That's a thing. And then Paul will go on to say, now live like it. Live like it certifies the authenticity of the authorization, contains a defining characteristic quality or image of the owner of the seal. You know, even a signature in handwriting embodies uh, personality features of the signature. You, you all know that? There, there are people who analyze handwriting. So if you give them a piece of writing, they can study it and they can figure out what you like. What you like, what you'll do in a certain circumstance. You know, don't know how... Detailed and accurate they get, but they can determine your personality qualities just by your handwriting signature. What is the, um, the distinguishing feature of the king's image and his superscription stamp? Right? Because an image, you know, the, the, the seal doesn't have every living last detail that you can see, does it? On a seal... It's got that which is most universally recognizable. So a short statement and an impression. What would be the thing that would represent Christ? The image, the word. What would it be? This is the mark of the Christian. Love. By this shall all men know. You're my disciples. This is the seal of authenticity. Love in your heart and in your life. The love of Christ. Not the mushy-gushy love of the world that can change with the emotions, a circumstance. The love that is conditional upon you meeting their criteria, right? That's the love of the world. And there are some noble souls that just love regardless, and you know, they've got a much more tolerance. Usually. With humanity, you can push them over the edge where their love will turn to hate. Some people, the line is really close. Others, it's a good mile. But human love can be pushed over the edge. But Christ prayed for the people that were mocking him after they had falsely accused him and framed him so that he was being unjustly tortured. And he loved them still and prayed for their blessing see, couldn't push him over the edge. That's the mark of the Christian. That's the image and the superscription that's been stamped on the believer. Hallelujah. Now, so that's the definition of seal, a mark. And we're going to look at a mark in a moment and get a, a, a richer understanding of this. A device, a stamp, a seal, a label, a brand, an inscription, written character, or the like, placed upon an article as an indication of ownership or origin. Does that sound like a seal to you? It's the same. They're synonyms. Um, whose image? Whose mark is this? It's Caesar's. Let's, um, let's look at some passages now on that. All right? Uh, let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 9, shall we? <clears throat> And get some more context and some more uh, understanding on it. Do we we understand that the New Testament relies upon the Old Testament? That the apostles were expounding the scriptures. To them the scriptures are what we call the Old Testament. And God through them writing more scripture. And so they they weren't um, they weren't introducing new things so much occasionally, rather than lifting the veil from things that are already in the Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter nine and verses four to six. And the um, hmm, a bit of a bit of context. We'll read the passage. We'll start in verse one. Hmm. He cried also in mine ears with a loud voice, saying, Cause them that have charge over the city to draw near, even every man with his destroying weapon in his hand. And, behold, six men came from the way of the higher gate, which lieth toward the north. And every man a slaughter weapon in his hand. And one man among them was clothed with linen, with a writer's inkhorn by his side. And they went in and stood beside the brazen altar. And the glory of God of Israel and the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherub whereupon he was to the threshold of the house and he called to the man clothed with linen which had the writer's inkhorn by his side and the Lord said unto him go through the midst of the city through the midst of Jerusalem and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof And to the others, he said in mine hearing, go ye after him through the city and smite. Let not your eye spare, neither have ye pity. Slay utterly old and young, both maids and little children and women. But come not near any man upon whom is the mark and begin at my sanctuary. Hmm. Now this was a vision that Ezekiel was seeing. And God had before in the previous uh, chapters. If you look at chapter 8, it's awful. Um, You have the presence of God um, there in the beginning. And then you see the awful idolatry. Starting with the elders and the ancients. Seventy elders there given to idolatry. And it reminds us of the seventy elders that Moses had appointed. This is representative of all of the leadership and really the whole nation. Given to idolatry. And God says, I'm going to judge them for their idolatry. You see this passage, right? Begin at my sanctuary. Is that what we read? Begin at my sanctuary. Peter said, judgment must begin at the house of God. This is where he's coming from. He's expounding the the old. But set a mark in the heads of those that are mine. This is a seal. And so there's ownership and authority. But in the biblical use, we see that this mark or seal is also put in the context of judgment. In the biblical use. Even Paul there in Ephesians. Right? Let's, let's go back there to Ephesians 1. Um, Verse 13, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. You're getting a bigger picture there. John the Baptist preached when he saw them coming to his baptism. O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee the wrath to come? And there will come a day of judgment. Upon all men, after uh, it's appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. There's coming a day of judgment for the world, for the nation. There was coming a time of the outpouring of the wrath of God. But there were those who were marked as faithful as mine as God's. You see, and so those who are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise are those who are marked of God. Not to be damned, not to be destroyed, not to be condemned and judged, but to be saved. Do you see that context there? The the gospel of your salvation, we don't think of it only in the context of deliverance from sin, the guilt of it, and the power of it, but from the damnation and judgment and wrath of God. You're sealed. I'm going to look at that. While, while we're there, let's, let's look at a couple more scriptures to expand our, uh, our thinking on this. Revelation chapter 7. I hope we, we see what's going on. Before you worry about the mark of the beast, you want to worry about the mark of God. Because it comes first. The beast is just doing a counterfeit of God. till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And he lists the, uh, the tribes, you know, the, the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, you know, Judah and Reuben and Aser and Of the 12 of Naphtali and so on, uh, they were sealed, right? Tells you um, in verse 5, Judah sealed 12,000, Reuben sealed, Gad sealed, Asher sealed, Naphtali sealed, Manasseh, and, and on and on. Um, so many of them were sealed. Now, don't get distracted um, and misinterpret. You know, There are those that believe there's going to be 144,000 Jewish evangelists in the end times and so on. Well, bless them. But that's not what the Lord is talking about here. The numbers are symbols. And you have the 12 tribes, which speaks of the whole nation. They're representative of the nation. And if you study the names, you will notice something if you're attentive. And that is, it is an unusual 12 names. Okay, so let's review a little bit of our understanding of the Old Testament. There are 12 tribes, 12 sons of Jacob, remember? <laughs> For 12 marks on a question on your Bible knowledge test, write down the, uh, the 12 names of the sons of Jacob. Bonus point, write them in chronological order. Extra bonus point, name the mother of each child. <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> Oops, we all got some studying to do, right? But you, you know who they are. Oh, yeah, I remember. Who's the firstborn? This one's easy. Reuben. I could read lips, brother. Yes. Reuben. Right? And then who, from whom does Messiah come? Judah. Praise. Judah means praise. Now will I praise the Lord. So Reuben. Um, Simon. Right? Um, thou, God, hearest me. Simon represents prayer. Uh, Judah. Now will I praise the Lord. Who was Leah's fourth before she uh, left off childbearing? And you're, you're the top of the class, brother. We're all in trouble, right? Leah had six children. And then she had by her handmaidens uh, two. Um, Rachel had two. That's Joseph and Benjamin. And her handmaiden had two. But six, the six sons of Leah. They were the elite, Right? But you know them all: um, Zebulun, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Dan, right? Um, there's Joseph, and right. Remember, we got twelve and all. I've probably missed one or two. That's okay. And then Levi, right? So uh, under the time of Moses, so um, uh, under the time of uh, uh, Joseph, there in uh, in Egypt before Moses, um, where Jacob was brought in and. Jacob said, these two sons are mine, Manasseh and Ephraim. Remember? And, and God guiding, uh, Jacob guiding his hand wittingly, he's going to spare them the strife. I'm going to do what my dad should have done. Isaac had one fault, right? Favoritism. Common fault in parents. Jacob had it as well and God had to chasten him hard on it. Favoritism, common fault in parents. They love and delight in the one child and and then they might get one that they really don't like, you know. Cause all kinds of problems in the family. And the patriarchs in the flesh, they struggled with these things or didn't. They gave themselves to it. And Jacob, right? Joseph was his favorite. His brethren hated him, got rid of him. And then Benjamin, the little last one I remember, family friend. Aunt Sheila, not, uh, not Tomlinson, someone in Jamaica. And her youngest child, Peter Blaze, <laughs> my friend. And uh, in Jamaica, it's not like how we raise our homes here, you know, where if the children squabble, it's grieving to us, let alone in Jamaica. Like my dad said, a bit of boxing between boys is normal, you know. We had some real punch-ups, and some of you brethren came from pretty rough homes, is that right? But um, she would say, you're not to hit Blazey, even when he's wrong, you're not to hit him, he's my little last one, you know. Okay, you two, the rest of you riffraff can punch each other up, man. I can tolerate that. But don't you hit my precious little last one. The last one often spoiled. The baby and the family. And Benjamin. You remember, uh, his soul is bound up when they're talking before Joseph. The the, uh, (laughs) the lad cannot come. Our father's soul is bound up in the life of the child. And... uh, you, you bring us to the grave. He can't come and leave his dad. You remember the whole thing. Jacob having gone through it himself. Now he's not. Hallelujah. He's cutting off that family sin. Favoritism. Abram had it a little bit. There was no competition. Isaac, thine only son, whom thou lovest. Forget Ishmael. What about all the sons of Keturah? In Abram's heart, there was only one. And that was right. That was of God. Carnally misapplied in Isaac. Um, loved Esau. Not only favorite, but the wrong one. That spawned jealousies and hatred. Jacob had it with Joseph and Benjamin. And now, hallelujah, he's going to stop that. And there he's going to um, bless the younger. Not going to allow for all of the the uh, manipulation that mommy had to do to get the help God out in his providence. He's going to do it right. And he blesses the younger um, uh, and puts him above the elder. You remember this story. These are long circuitous um, uh, detail to our point. These two are mine, right? Ephraim and Manasseh. And when God ordained the Levitical priesthood, the two sons of Joseph represented a tribe each, and Levi was separated unto God. Remember? Then the Levites never went out to battle. So you still have your 12 tribes. So you could have your 12 tribes excluding Levi to recount the 12 tribes, or you could have the 12 tribes including Levi, and then you name Joseph. So you either have Ephraim and Manasseh and leave out Levi, and you got 12. Or you include Levi, and then you have Joseph, and you got 12. But here in the Revelation, Levi is included. Who's missing? More Bible knowledge test questions. Who's missing? This is a five-mark question. There's one mark for this answer. Back in the classroom days. No, no. Remember, we've got we've got Levi and Joseph. So it's departed from the normal way. I'll help you, brethren. Dan is missing. Why? This is a four mark question. Because Dan was the tribe wholly given to idolatry. That's why it's been rejected. And so, mark in the heads all of God's people, excluding those who are given to idolatry. Now, Paul will write uh, <laughs> Is it here? Is it in this passage or in the previous? Um, or in a, another place? No covetous person who is an idolater. I don't think it's here. Idolatry. Brethren, let's be clear. The idolater is not marked of God. Mark those men. Right? It's the same idea here in in the Revelation. What did we see in Ezekiel? We saw... Um, The men that were marked were those that were sighing. They were grieved for the abominations. You read chapter 8, what were the abominations? It was idolatry. The Christian heart is a heart where God is God. Unrivaled. No competitor. The Christian is the one who worships God alone. And God, seeing that, he seals that marriage contract. With his seal, Hallelujah. Revelation chapter nine, verse four. Similar thing. Now, now there, um, there's been some intermediate or um, interim things that have happened, but chapter nine, verse four picks up the same thing. Now, right? Uh, We never see what happens with the hurt, not the earth, and so on, till we have sealed the servants and. Other things go on. We hear about the men with the white robes, or the multitude rather, men and women. And the fifth seal sounded in chapter 9. And, you know, the bottomless pit. and, And out of the smoke these locusts came. I can read the passage for you. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. And unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. This was judgment coming on professing Christendom through the Saracens, under the time some some. There's a range of, of dispute. There's a bit of dispute, but it's of that time. Some believe it was the Saracens immediately previous to Muhammad, and some believe it was the Saracens under the leadership of Muhammad and beyond. About a hundred and fifty years of um, uh, torment upon the professing Christian world uh, under them, the Saracens. And they, fiz- they, they, they match the description that's there, historically. This would have been what, um, though, Bible expositors would have uh, believed through the centuries. Uh, but that's the, again, this is the point. Those who didn't have the mark of God in their forehead, Later, we'll see they have a different mark in their foreheads. They identify with the false Christ. But the Christian is those who are marked of God, right? Those, you saw it right there, they should not hurt only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. These were not angels executing judgment, these are things on the earth coming out and hurting. It's a judgment upon the professing Christendom except those that have the mark of God in them. No idolatry. Tell me, is there a Christian denomination that is known for images? You can check the history. You'll see it's right. But this is the thing, brethren. It's beyond that. It's beyond just images, you know, here you go, church iconography and the stained glass. It's beyond that. It's what's in the mind, what's in the heart. Any idols. The seal of God is upon children that have no idols. Is that right? And let let us fear God. The thing, I mean, some don't like my use of the words here. One one individual anyway got very, very displeased with me over the the way I expressed this thought. But however you want to word it precisely, you look at a dividing line from which there was not a a coming back for the people. What was it that ultimately pushed the people of God over the edge in history, on the Old Covenant, the Old Testament? What was it that finally got them out of the land? But what was the defining feature? Was it stealing? To what? What's moloch? Idol. It was idolatry. That's the thing that's pushed people over the edge. It's idolatry. It's. Worship of one other than God. David sinned horribly. Tell me, you you know, we talked about, or we looked at that example of Jezebel and the seal. Isn't that right? And uh, Ahab was her husband, right? Miserable man. Naboth, give me a vineyard. No. He goes and he cries on his bed. No, he's a grown man and a king. He's crying on his bed, sulking and pouting because... He asked a man kindly to give him his vineyard to sell it to him and he said no. And his wife had him murdered. What David did was worse than that. And yet he found a way of reconciling. God hath put away thy sin. What David did was abominable. It's not excusable. Judgment comes upon such. But the thing that Got the people carried away. Yes, there was all kinds of sins that went with it. All of them horrible. But the fountain of it all was the idolatry. The fountain of it all was idolatry. Started with Solomon. Loved many strange women. And his wives turned away his heart. And he started this whole thing of idolatry. And all of the sins that idolatry leads to. The love of money. This is your biggest idolatry in the world. Is the root of all evil. All of these evil industries, they all have their, they're facilitated and fed through the love of money. And ye cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon's a god of money. And the seal of God is on his people. And God's people love God, not money. And all of the things of this world are represented by money. They loved not their lives, even Unto the death. Now. It's circuitous. A long thing. And, And one of the things that has encouraged me. About preaching through the Bible. Book by book. Verse by verse. Chapter by chapter. Is that it all takes us through the whole Bible. We don't actually just get locked in on one thing. Get a grander picture of the. The whole of scripture. Brethren. We are. Those who. Believe on the Lord Jesus. Do you see it there? We've, we've looked at this a number of times. But it bears repeating. You trusted in Christ. After you heard the word of the truth. Of the, the gospel of your salvation. After you believed. You were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. As the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness. So was the Son of Man lifted up. Jesus put on a cross. And whoever knowing their sin contemplates that fact, Christ crucified for me and believes on him, turns to him in humble, believing repentance, is saved. And God seals that one, child, my son, my daughter, and stamps his own image and superscription on them with the giving of the Holy Ghost. And God in heaven, when he brings judgments on the world, God that knows the hearts, he saw the heart in repentance and faith, sealed that heart with the Holy Spirit. He that knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, Spirit spirit-making intercession, as he brings, as he moves in the world of humanity, he sees that mark on every child of his. You have not been appointed unto wrath, but to obtain salvation. There's a hope. (laughs) Paul writes the Colossians, you know, now, a parallel epistle, I believe, actually written before the Ephesian epistle. For the hope. Uh, yes, in verse 5, chapter 1 of Colossians. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. The Christian is looking for an earthly inheritance. Sealed. This seal is Permanent. Paul writes uh, to them later, and we'll look at the context and so on. But in chapter 4, verse 30, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. A seal is permanent ownership. Some don't like this. Some are worried, you know, I preach eternal security and so on. Well, I'm not ashamed of it. The scriptures teach what they teach. People should be more worried about those who think you go in and out of salvation twice a day, every day. And depending on what state you die in, determines whether you're going to heaven or not. What a state of fretfulness. Somewhere between the fretfulness of, at any moment I could lose my salvation, and no matter what sin you do, you'll go to heaven. Somewhere between those two abominable extremes is the truth of Christ. That... You're his. Look, this is God's heart. And he's not intending us to formulate these uh, doctrines whereby we try and stuff God, the eternal God, into our little boxes. Look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7, please. And uh, the heart of God. And then after that, we're going into Isaiah. <clears throat> now this is is just, we're zooming in on a verse in context. We're, we're not taking it out of its context, but the truth of it. Um, defies context, so to speak, or it defies being locked into the context in which it emerges. Deuteronomy 7, verse 7, The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because ye were more in number than any people. For you are the fewest of all people, but because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand. And redeemed you out of the house of bondmen. And so yes there's the context as to why. But look the Lord has set his love upon you. It's like a seal but it's the fixation of his heart. God is not fickle. He doesn't blow in the breeze. He doesn't go back and forth. And he to his child. He has set his love upon you. Said it there. It's us who are so self centered, and we think, you know, we, 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 we have this ideal in our minds that, by the way, is completely wrong. Well, it's not completely wrong, but it's got so many wrong ideas. These ideals that we make, we've made them up. We, have no, we don't realize how far short we fall of where God is taking us, but we've got our ideals, our expectations. And so many of us, we, we don't live up to these ideals, and so we feel, you know, like we've given up on ourselves, and so we think God's given up on us. And at least he's not very pleased with us, and, you know, just, am I saved? And you know, All of these things come into the human heart. These are common things. God has set his love upon you. you think your commitment to marriage is strong, God's commitment to you is strong like you don't know strength. He said his love upon you. This is the thing. Um, that's uh, This is all part of this seal of God. Now people, you know, and forgive me, and probably there's no one like that here, but you know, you have to address these kinds of things. People think, well, are you saying there's nothing you can do to lose your salvation? I'm not interested in talking about that. I'm trying to get at the heart of God. Do you understand? For his people. And for his people to love him and hate sin and hate the devil. That's what I'm on about. I'm not interested in your pet peeves and your, your, your little um, square box doctrines. I'm wanting to look at the eternal God of God. Breathlessly, Just stand in awe of him. Let him consume my being. I want, to, I want to burn and I want to light everybody on fire with the love of God. And I'm not really interested in your theological um, jumping jacks or whatever you're doing. Forgive me. That's my heart. And I want to look at God's great heart. Uh, <clears throat> Isaiah 44. I think that's where we're going. 43, I beg your pardon. Verse 1. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Since thou wast precious in my sight. Thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee, and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east, and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far, and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Again, I know there's a messianic context there. There's a new covenant context. But the Gentiles have been brought into the new covenant. All the promises of God in him are yea and amen to the glory of God by us. This is God's heart. This is part bound up in the seal. It's not just this cold calculated kingdom stamping documents. This is the eternal God and the the variety and the multitude of images and pictures to show what he's doing are necessary for us to get a heart of it. Sealed. You're sealed. You're sealed. God has set his love upon you. He says to you, you are mine. Yes, you go through this, through fire, through water, through whatever. I'm with you. Mind. Are we getting a vision for this? <sighs> sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Not just sealed, you know, some cold metal on your fleshy heart. Well, that's wonderful, fleshy heart. But the Holy Spirit, God Himself. We're going to look at the Holy Spirit in the Weeks to come, what he is and what he does. Who he is. But you're sealed with God's spirit. It can't get any more, seal can't get any more personal than that. Not just, not adequately described by the image and the superscription. The likeness of Christ and the words of Christ which is the love of God. But himself pressed upon your soul by his indwelling spirit that's a seal how can that seal be broken and how can such a preciousness be set at naught how can it not inspire our hearts to say oh God have all of me you bought all of me let me not live as a thief that defrauds you. I'm entirely yours. now not what he says? You are mine. That's why the apostle would say, Romans 12, right? Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God. It's your reasonable service. Mm. Maybe we'll, we'll stop there. We could um, do our... our Moment review is to we move beyond, you know, the earnest of our inheritance. He shifts his metaphor there from the seal to the earnest. That's a normal thing for Paul to do, and we'll, we'll start with that next time. Holy Spirit of promise, promised Holy Spirit all through the historical age of the prophets. And he's been given, and having believed on Christ, God sealed. Your heart, with the Holy Spirit, His own dear presence, to cheer and to guide, as the uh, hymn says, "Hallelujah." And if, if any one who has believed on the Lord finds that reality lacking, the Lord Jesus gives a very simple solution: ask, ask, ask. Father, I don't know what it is I did wrong. Lord, maybe I've not come with all my heart, but I'm coming now. And where I'm holding back, Lord, I'm relying on your cross to enable. But I'm believing on you, and I'm asking for that seal. Thank you, Lord. Because you're not going to lie. And you just get on with loving and serving the Lord with all your heart. And to increase in our experience of the Holy Spirit. That is still the way forward. It's, and we'll look at that. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I'll give you the Holy Spirit. It's this increase of that flow of the Holy Spirit in the heart of the one who is simply given to God. Believing on him with all the heart and obeying him. Likewise. Sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Sealed until the day of redemption when Jesus... Comes and we see him face to face. Let's pray. Father, however uh, falteringly we have sought to examine the greatness of what thou hast done in Christ. Well did Paul exclaim, How unsearchable are thy riches, Lord. How Are thy ways past finding out? But we want to search them out nonetheless. Lord, discover the depths of the love of God. The heights. Have our whole beings consumed in that holy fire. Strengthen us, Lord. I I know in my own soul I want every part of my life to be thine. Not an intermittent indulgence, Lord, in anything. Oh, Lord, do it, Lord, in us all. May the fire of thy love spread through all the churches. And add believers to such a church, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for purchasing us and for sealing us. Truly we are thine. We commend one another unto Thy keeping care. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to fellowship together afterwards for the food that you've provided. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for all thy loving care of us through our Lord Jesus. Amen.